You didn't miss it. I'm reading from the book of Genesis chapter 22 and four verses of scripture. And we'll begin with verse one. And it came to pass after these things. Pause. Consider. That God did tempt or test Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, behold, here here I am. And God said, take now thy son. Thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest. This is deep. The prize. And get thee into the land of Moriah. Offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. Verse 3. Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering. He cut it up, made sure it was ready. He rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place afar off. Father, I thank you for spirit that you have invested in us for the moving of your presence in this house we don't deserve it but because you are a good God gracious to us your loving kindness there are miracles represented in here and more miracles that need to happen in the lives of people I pray Lord today that you would speak your word into the hearts of everyone who stands here, who listens here, who will consume this in days to come. In Jesus' holy name, add a blessing to your already anointed word. And all the people said amen. And if you will, put your Bibles down behind you. And would you offer a praise to God with your voice and with your heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, and you may be seated. I'll offer a few reflective words from the text. The last few words, the place afar off. And the beginning words, after these things. If you happen to open up your Bible and begin in Genesis 22, it would be difficult to grasp the setting The commencement of this chapter hinges on so many prior events. It would be like starting a book halfway through and then making an assumption on the second half without knowing the first. The key words are so easily dismissed, which are, and it came to pass after these things. What things? If we do not read the prior engagements of God, 
It might be easy to whisper away the bulk of both the height and depth of Abraham's dangers and triumphs of riches, faith, and yes, faithlessness. He had them all. We are now decades into his journey with God, years of major events, of falling fire, of gain, wealth, reputation, Ishmael, and then Isaac. By this time, Abraham is a renowned man in his own time. So much has happened, we could not possibly rehearse them all, just to say these things. All prior moments have come to this. His calling, his journey will all culminate in that upward climb, just he and his son. Isaac is a little bewildered, having obviously made the sacrifices to God before with his father. He replies to his dad while they're climbing, Dad, we have the wood. You cut the wood and we have the fire, but where is the sacrifice? Mariah, that mountainous range, will become uniquely designed to expose the heart of the patriarch. It will be the launching pad for all those who claim to trust God. They will be challenged there, but of course, there is a greater question today. Abraham is following the voice without any knowledge of what the end might be. Jewish scholars throughout the ages have surmised that Abraham believed that even if he killed Isaac, that God would raise him back from the dead. They make that assumption with no proof in mind. I suppose it just doesn't seem fair that God would have allowed Abraham to carry through with his dagger, with the fire. Both father and son have come to the foothills of that mountainous range and God will show him the place of sacrifice afar off. Isaac was his dream. It was a dream come to life. He is the only son born of Sarah and the only thing that ever mattered in his life. Abraham's entire name change happened because of Isaac. Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. It was because of Isaac. God promised Abraham a son when he was 75 years old. It took 25 years for that promise to come to pass. We're not entirely certain, but it's likely that Isaac was no less than 15 years old when he made it to Moriah. He's not an infant. For those of you a little new to the story, Abraham has been given a covenant by God that wherever his feet are set, God will give him the land for an inheritance. And God makes this promise to Abraham that all of his future children will be the chosen people among the earth. It was a holy covenant created by the creator himself looking forward to the final redemption of mankind on a cross at the base of another hill called Golgotha. Began there. And Abraham believed God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God. It was counted unto him for righteousness. James 2.23 And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. Hebrews 11 By faith Abraham when he was called to go into a place which he should have to receive for an inheritance. He obeyed. He went out. He did not know where he was going the Bible says. Herein lies the first question. You'll have to ask this question and answer it at some juncture in your life. Can you trust God can you trust him is God trustworthy we sing about it we relish the witness of someone else but when it comes to you when God puts you through something or puts something in your hand the first question you're going to have to answer can you or will you trust him
I'm preaching this, but I also must say this question is not really the primary, but we've got to get to it. We need to deal with it before we come to the primary. Can you trust God? And will you trust God? And when will you really find out that you are trusting God? Because if things are not well and you have been given the desires of your heart, it's tangible, relatable, even palpable, and then God asks for it back, then you will find out if you trust him. Here's the word of Job 1. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave, he gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And we have to deal with both of them. They are polar, one to the other. They could not be farther from each other. And at the same time, they are linked by the same gift. He didn't give you something and take something different. He gives you the thing and then takes the thing. Job was saying that the thing that God was giving was the exact thing that the Lord took away. But when you receive it, that relationship or that job or that item, or health, or calmness. You never thought that it might be taken away in the same breath. So you rejoiced at its arrival, and you claimed it. And you danced about it, like Sarah holding that baby boy Isaac high in the air. All the laughter and singing, she twirls with him, cradling him in her arms. All of her hopes and dreams, and smiling back at him, Isaac. The joy of her life, from impossibility to reality. You held it in your hands, a promise of a ministry or a position you work for or some place that you thought you so desired and then suddenly and without warning it was stripped from you without anyone ever asking how you felt about it the lord giveth the lord taketh away all in the same motion those movements diametrically opposing one another over the single thing And it forces you to answer the question in your heart, can you trust God? Abraham, go to the mountain. Take your dream. Lay your dream down on an altar of stone and kill it. Give it to me in a sacrificial way. Do with Isaac what you would do to a lamb, a goat, an oxen, some turtle dove. Ladies and gentlemen, I stand here to say, do not turn away from this moment just because you know the rest of the story in the Bible. Abraham did not know the end of the story. All he knew were these words, and I quote, Offer him therefore a burnt offering. The mountain did not matter. The time of day was a blur. The myriad of thoughts that must have been spinning in his head like a tornado, ripping up every other thought in his path. And what shall he say to the servants below? And what shall he say to Sarah, who is at home when he comes back empty-handed? And what about the covenant, which included children from Sarah, where they have to start over all again? There is no record of any resurrection at this point in the scripture. So what about the blood of his son? That wasn't the whole picture. It was a burnt off also not just the blood but the burnt offering that was the design of God's making can you trust God and as I look on my own generation from young to old in this entire house I feel the resistance of anything to this design we have been taught to embrace the former and not the latter we embrace the Lord gives we dance at the Lord gives but we do not like the Lord take of the way But remember Job's final words. Even after he offered the latter, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. That's what the Lord does. You don't mess with what God does. Here's your part. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed, no matter where I'm at, no matter what he gives, no matter what he takes away, I rise and say, blessed! 
I'm asking you today, can all of you say it today with me? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, think about your life. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yay. Yes. And, 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 and what conditions must God make with you for you to trust him? What are your rules for God? What is God allowed to keep for you to trust him? What is God allowed to take away from you for you to say, blessed be the name of the Lord? Can you trust him? We're going to have to deal with it, even though it really isn't the primary question. But you will face it. You'll come face to face with it. The Shunammite woman in, in 2 Kings 4 could preach this word today. She was the one who pressed her husband to make an extra room from the prophet. You might remember. Elisha was passing by and she wanted a relationship with the prophet. She wanted her family to know about the prophet. She wanted him to rest there. And she said to her husband, behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God. He passes by us continually. He's coming and going, but wouldn't it be great? Let us make a little chamber, I pray thee. On the wall, let us set him up a bed, a table, a stool. Add on to our home. We'll put light in there. It shall be when he comes to us, he'll stay with us. She had everything the money could buy. She had a faithful husband. He did her bidding. She had an idea and he had to work to complete her idea. We're going to reserve that for another moment. (laughs) Pray that your wife is a godly wife. She's perceptive. Elisha was so grateful for the room and the care. And he said to his servant and the people, is there anything that we can do for her? And then he says to her, can I put a good word in you? Can Can I get you an audience with the king? Wouldest thou be spoken for to the king or to the captain of the host? And she said, I dwell among my own people. I'm good. She had need of nothing except she had no children and she really did want a son. But she was older and she was past the time of childbearing. And at that, Elisha, the prophet, stood up and said, call her. And he prophesied to her that within one year, she would have a son. And guess what her reply was? Don't mess with me. Do you read your Bible? I'll help you with it. 2 Kings 4, 16. He said about this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. And she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaiden, which being interpreted is, don't mess with me. I'm helping you. Within the year... That faithful, caring, and spiritual woman, that Shunammite woman had a son in her arms and all the joy of the gift of life. The Bible then just skips through the years and the next verse describes the tragedy of that very same son. He's a young boy. He's in the field working with his father and he has a heat stroke and he dies and daddy carries him to his mama's arms. God gives and God takes away. She had to deal with the question. A skeptical elderly woman without children was given a promise and then the reality only to find herself holding her young lightless son on her lap all day until Lysha comes back. He will take that dead child into the very room his mother built for him. All those years prior, he will lay that boy on the bed and God will raise him back to life. And I ask you, why would God give, take him back and give him back? That's a question 
You're going to have to answer. Can God be trusted when you are low and empty and helpless at the end of your rope without answers? Can God be trusted? I rise to say that God can be trusted. I rise to say that God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said it and it he shall not do it? Hath he spoken it and he shall not make it good? Second, Cor- Second Corinthians. For all, everybody say all. For all the promises of God in him are yea and amen unto the glory of God by us. Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his trouble. The angel of the Lord encamps around about them that fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Here's a word. Pardon me if I'm a little excited to quote the word. (laughs) Because David said it like this. I remember when I was young. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet, have I never I've not seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen, somebody say, never. I've never seen his seed begging for bread. I've never seen the righteous, someone, someone say, never. Our God is an unwavering God. His word is forever settled in heaven. John saw it like this when he looked up and he saw the heavens open. Revelation 19, behold, a white horse was there and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. Maybe you don't know this, but let me just tell a little bit because we don't have time for all the testimonies. He made a way through the Red Sea and he will make a way for you. In fact, even in the middle of your temptation, God has made an escape plan. He's got something in mind. Paul said it like this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. And he will with the temptation also make a way out, a way of escape, so that you can bear everything. God can be trusted with whatever conflict you will face. He can be trusted when life turns against you. I have an assurance that he will see me through every dark valley and every dry season. (laughs) Hebrews 7 tells me that God is able to save to the uttermost. 2 Timothy 1. Is this okay? Do we like the Bible? Just preaching the Bible. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He is the immeasurable God who measured the heavens and blanketed them with clouds. He holds the sum of the skies in the palm of his hands. They are but fragments, specks. He is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is Alpha and Omega. Which means that not only was he there before you began, but he's standing on the other side of your trouble. He's waiting for you to make it through. He's at the end of your issue right now. That's why we call him trustworthy. We call him faithful and true. Woo! I am joined.
mind by a cacophony of voices to testify that our God can be trusted when you cannot see him or feel him or find him. He is working on your behalf and I know that all things are going to work for our good because I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. There is no doubt. I'd like to stay right there. I cannot. I want to stay right there. I cannot. I just want to tell somebody, God can be trusted. You can trust God. He didn't fail anybody. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to start with you. Approximately 13 billion people have come into this earth since the beginning of time. He's not starting with you. You're not the exception. He won't forget you, go to sleep on you, stumble around your issue. He knew it before you were born. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows where you are. He knows all the conflict in your heart. He knows what you're about to go through, and he's made provision for you to get through it. God never wakes up surprised because he never goes to sleep without a plan. That's not the question. The real question that's pressing the last day church, the final days of time, will not feature the unknown God. That already happened at Mars Hill. That happened at an unsubscribed place called Bethel. He's already been revealed to us in so many ways, not the least of which was this born-again experience of the Holy Ghost. The last J church will not need to revisit the trusting God dilemma. Though there are some who are yet young in their walk with God, so you may have to deal with it. But look around today. There are people sitting behind you, in front of you, beside you. They can help you with that answer. Because he's never failed anybody. And I will say boldly, there are testimonies in this house right now that he's worthy. I wish I had somebody just to help me. Let's say, <laughs> look over here. He's been worthy. He's been good. He didn't fail me in my time of need. I wish I had somebody that would say, that would just rise up and say, God's been good to me. I didn't know, but he's worth trusting. Yay. No, no, the question is much deeper. The second, the more important, the primary is deeper than the first. The question is not, can God, can, can, can you trust God? For the last day, church, for us, the question is, can God trust you? Oh. I wish I could just stop at the first, but no. For us in the last day, can God trust you? Now, I know the commentary of Abraham. He trusted God, but I submit that God chose Abraham because God could trust him and that nothing would be held back before the Lord. I ask you today, can God trust us with an end-time revival of people who will take up our time, our energy, and even our resources? Can God trust new life? How about you? Can God trust you with a sickness 
when you experience the worst of it all, can God trust that you will so let your light shine among men when every doctor and specialist cannot help you? Can he trust you with an illness? Or instead, will you, will shake, your, will you shake your fist at God and accuse prayer of not working? Many have. How about this? Will you be a witness of his goodness when there's no tangible evidence that you can hold in your hand? Can God still be good to you in all things? Be careful before you answer that because when we think of his goodness, we think of the temporal. Let me just tell you about the real God. He would rather you enter heaven lame, blind, crippled, wounded, scarred up, banged up, broken down, altogether wasted and empty. He'd rather you get to heaven that way rather than enter hell whole. Read it in your Bible. Can God trust you with money? Dinero, the dough, muchachi, bread, the cash. Come on, man. I'll tell you why some people struggle with their finances. Because God can't trust them with money. They could have so much more, but if God can't trust you with the matter of your first fruit, then you just put a ceiling on your life about what you can handle. Because he won't put on you more than you can bear. And you thought that was trouble. Some of us can't bear a financial blessing. It'll ruin us. Paul said neither height nor depth. Height is success. Success has killed more people than depth. I know you, you just regretted coming today, didn't you? You don't want me today. He wants to trust you with tens of thousands, but he can't trust you with a hundred. Let me ask you this. Can God trust you with insight and revelation? Here's the book of Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. What does that mean? What I heard, I give out? Yes. And unto you that hear, more shall be giving, given. For he that hath to him shall be given, and he that hath not for he, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. Here's another version. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Whosoever has it will be given more. Whosoever does not, it'll be taken away. When you use what you have, more will be added to your life. But if you've heard the preaching and the teaching and you never share it or rehearse it, you keep it to yourself, you bottle it up. All of what you have is going to be lost from your mind. And that applies to everything that's in your hands. If you hoard it, become fearful of losing it, then not only shall it be taken, but everything else that, that you have will be lost as well. I'm preaching about a place called trust. Can God put you in a place where he can trust you? Can God give you direction and you not walk away and say, I don't know about that? How many people have had affirmations in the spirit? Someone came up and prayed and you knew that was the Lord. But you got out, you walked away, 
and you lost it. And you said, I'd like to have a little bit more signs. How many signs and words does God have to give to you before you say, you can trust me with that direction, Lord? Can he put you in that place? Can he use you? Hear me in time, church. Oh, my. Can he trust you with gifts of the spirit without you acting or stepping out of your umbrella of authority? Can he give you the gift of prophecy? And you keep it until your spiritual leader allows you to release it. One person in this church had a word of prophecy and he wanted to share it with me. But he was careful because he understood the operation. And he said, Pastor, I've got a word. You tell me when I'm supposed to tell you. Man, he couldn't have said it better. Because when he said that, I knew whatever he had was true. Because if that word came under the umbrella of authority, I knew that the Lord was operating through him. And it took him about six weeks later. But when he opened up his mouth, it was the word of God. And I was ready to hear it. And I said, I want to hear it now. And the Lord said, the word of God to me, he could be trusted. How many people have been given opportunities to be used in the gift of the spirit, but they got pride, proud, and they got, they got puffed up, and they thought, I got it. No one ever monopolized the gifts. Can he trust you with gifts? Can God use you in the many different gifts of healings without you thinking that you have learned some skill? Can you stay humble? Oh, come on now. Can you stay humble? And be used in the gifts of healing? Because if you can, I'm, I'm going to ask God to give you a supernatural boldness so that you can lay hands on the people that are in this house right now and God can heal them. And you just consider yourself like a conduit. You, I want you to see yourself like a PVC pipe. A bland PVC pipe. You're just an open vessel so that the Holy Ghost power can just flow through you to them. And you say, it's not about me. I'm just an open vessel. Can God trust you with that? I want to talk to all the business men and business women in our church. And those who are watching, listen to me now. Can God trust you with thousands or 100 times the amount that you have right now without you forgetting to pray? Give us this day our daily bread. Because you'll reach a point, you stop praying, give us this day our daily bread. Because you think it all is because you or you're talented. I'm going to tell you right now, the Lord can take away just as fast as he gave it. Or when times are good, you have a lot. Can God trust you with giving without you complaining about how it's being spent? Uh-oh. I was doing so good with the first question. I should have just stayed there and shouted on out of here, man. Just not my style. Can God put you in a place of trust? Can he trust you to make a sacrifice even if you don't know the outcome of his demand? Can he trust you and anoint you like he did Joseph with a dream that did not come to fruition for the better part of 22 years? Can he trust you? Are you with me now?
can entrust you not to become bitter when you are removed instead of advanced. Let me say this again. God can be trusted, but that is not the primary question. He's not the one on trial. The end time church better wake up and take notice of the apostle Peter's declaration when he wrote that the trial of your faith being much more precious. Your faith is on trial, not God, not his goodness, not his omniscience, not his loving kindness. He may be questioned by the saint, yes. He will be scorned by the sinner. He has been mocked by the unbeliever and he will always be fought by the devil, but God is not on trial. <laughs> oh. My faith is on trial. <laughs> My resolve is the question. Can God put me on a mountain of trust and build an altar of stone and let me set up a fire by the side? And then can, can he see me? Will I raise the dagger and almost carry out his demand to the most precious thing in my life and still love God? Can he trust us with souls, with people? Will we ignore people because they don't fit into our niche? People will be coming to new life and they won't have any idea who we are or what we are, but can we love them enough to just let them be a part of the family I say yes can God help us love people no matter where they come from I stand here to make a declaration and it's dangerous today but I make a declaration I don't care what your political views are I don't care who you voted for I don't care who you voted against I got something better than this world I got the blood and the name I got a heaven I got salvation to offer I got the gospel to preach it's greater oh feel the Holy Ghost moving in here there's a probing question and you gotta answer it God you can trust me I'm gonna work on you trusting me I tell you today and I wonder I wonder how many churches have come to the brink of a mighty revival but they could not be trusted with a new believer because they didn't have time because when they thought about going to a restaurant they never made room for somebody beside their own family what are you doing on Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday you mean you don't have any new believers they can't be trusted with a backslider or a prodigal Many who have wandered away, they've come back to me and they've said, Pastor, I know the Lord will accept me back, I don't, but I just don't know the church will. Come on, help me, new life. you got to answer it. I can only answer for myself. Can we allow the backsliders to come back and the prodigals to come back? Will we love them and not judge them? Will we embrace them and not shun them? Can God trust us with the revival of prodigals? You'll shout about it. You'll clap about it. But that's not the thing. The thing is, can God trust you? Because if God can trust us, they'll come. 
One of our elders said this years ago, Billy Cole, he said, just as a doctor would not send new babies to a nursery or a hospital full of infection and disease, no more, and I quote, he said, no more would the Heavenly Father bring new people into a church full of infection and disease. Can God be, can God trust our church with a mighty revival? Can he trust you to heed the call of God? There are missionaries. You've already been called to the mission field. There are evangelists and preachers and pastors. You ought to not get your eye off the prize. God's already given you direction to get here, to be here, to be planted here, to win the lost. God's given you the direction. Can he trust you with his word, with his gifts, with your money, with your talents, with your gifting, with your passion? I'm almost there. Can God trust you with your time? Can he trust you with your time? Or do you squander your time with games and surfing and the internet and movies, conversations that lead to nowhere but just corrupt your spirit? Can he trust you with your time? How much time are we wasting while the kingdom lays at wait. How much time are we wasting? And then we have lame excuses about why we're not involved and why we're not, why we're not going to church or why we're not doing something for God. We're wasting more time. You don't have that time. Time is running out. The clock is ticking. Can God trust us with time? Because that's a commodity that you cannot replenish. You can't roll back the hands of time. In fact... At the end of this moment, we're never going to go back to when we began today. But because we've wasted so much time, we already forgot about Sister Shock's presentation of prayer. We already forgot about the anointing that fell on Brother Charles. And we've already, we forget. I trust you, God. I want you to trust me. And when things don't go right in my life, I'm not going to take it out on you or on the people around me. I'm not going to get angry with everybody. I'm going to know that, Lord, you know my way. You have prepared my way. You can be trusted. And, Lord, I, I, I want you to trust me, Lord, with all spiritual gifts. Lord, I want you to trust me with everything that can pass through my hand. Make me a conduit. Make me a vessel. Make me a servant. You can trust me, Lord. The Spirit is calling every person in this house. He's asking you a question today. Can I trust you? And you have to answer now. This is the question today. So I want you to reply to God in whatever way that you feel that you would affirm that the Lord can trust you to follow faithfulness, offerings, gifts, giftings, spiritual gifts. He'll trust you with love. He'll trust you with people. He'll trust you with success. He'll trust you with sickness and heartache because he knows your spirit's not going to be infected. He's going to trust you to go through something so you can be a witness of his great love and passion. 
Yes. Now I want you just to rise and make your affirmation before the Lord. This is between you and God and this altar is open right here for you to come and just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. The Lord's calling you to Mariah today. He's calling somebody to Mariah today. And your answer is, Lord, here I am. You don't question. You just say, Lord, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. He's calling you to a lifetime of commitment. Come on, come close to this altar. Everybody move up about three steps. Or people behind you. That's right. Come all the way up. Come all the way up to this altar. That's right. Squeeze in. That's it. That's right. Come on, lift up your hands. You can trust me, God. I know I'm not perfect. I know I've got... But Lord, this is my heart's desire. You can trust me with ministry. You can trust me with people. You can trust me with my time. You can trust me with the gifts, Lord. I want more and more of those gifts, Lord, for the purpose of your kingdom, but not for my glory, Lord. I won't take any of the glory. I won't take any of the praise. I won't take anything for myself. I trust you, Lord. I, I want you to know, Lord, you can trust me with my whole heart. That's the intent of my life. I'm asking everybody to reach out to God. Come on, we just have a few moments now. Reach out to God. He's in this house. The Lord is in this house. He's calling for you. He's calling for you. He's calling.